Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, April 13th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you. So springtime is here. We finally have some nice weather once again here in New England. Sunny, 55 degrees today. And I was looking at the forecast. We are going to get into the 60s, even up to 70 degrees, I think, this weekend, coming up on Sunday. So, uh, and leading us into a beautiful marathon Monday, this coming Monday. So, it's a perfect time of year here in New England. And with the springtime weather being here, that's another reminder that I, and I know, you're playing in a softball league, or even, this is basically fundraiser season, right? I don't know about you, but at least here in Boston, at least in Southie, it seems like most fundraisers that people have are around this time of year, maybe because it's getting warmer. I don't actually know the reason for it, but it seems like this is fundraiser season. And if you need anything done, a customized design on a t-shirt, anything for any type of fundraiser, you get it done right here at Beantown Athletics. Also, I know you're playing in a softball league. And if you're playing in a softball league, that means you need a uniform. You get that uniform done right here at Beantown. You go to a bar or a restaurant. You get some money. You get a sponsor. And what do you do with that money? You make sure that your team not just plays good, but you look good playing good as well. And you know what they say. You look good. You feel good. You feel good. You wheel good. And you want to wheel good on that softball field. So make sure you come to Beantown Athletics. Give them a call. Send them an email. Go to the website. Whatever you got to do to get the customized design and that perfect customized uniform for your softball league. The best right here at Beantown Athletics in Dorchester. Now, I told you yesterday that I wanted to get my hands on one of these David Ortiz 500 chains. They gave them out at Fenway last night. I thought we were going to go to the game. We ended up not going. So, and I thought maybe there'd be a little gift in here this morning in the studio, courtesy of the Boston Red Sox. We didn't have that today. But I'm hearing we are going to get a couple in the next couple days. A couple of these David Ortiz 500 chains signifying, you know, the 500th home run of his career that he hit late last season. They gave him out at Fenway last night. You know what I can't stand? I can't stand the people that, that get upset with the David Ortiz farewell tour or the David Ortiz love fest. Like, I just, I don't, why are you mad at it? Why are you mad at that? Like, why are you upset at that? Tell me. Honestly, explain to me why. Like, what, like, what don't you get about David Ortiz's career that, that, why does this make you mad? I don't get it. This is somebody that came into this organization that I don't think, you know, when he came here from Minnesota, I mean, his last name, at least on some baseball cards that I've seen, he wasn't even using Ortiz. His name was like David Arias or something. Crazy. So, did you really expect his career to turn out like this? I know I didn't when he first came to Boston. But look what he did in 2004. Uh, Look what he did in his entire Red Sox career. 2007 up through 2013, another championship. and, And even what he did last year with this team. The, the number of balls he was putting in the seats. 
And right now, in the early stages of the season, David Ortiz is, you know, having a great start once again. Having a great start. He's hitting 346. Ortiz went two for four last night uh, with three RBI. And he hit another home run. His third home run of the season. David Ortiz is a legend in this town. And if you're upset with what they're doing with this farewell tour... I just, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand why you'd be mad at that. You know, not everybody gets the farewell tour treatment. Yeah, you got to earn that. And that's one thing I've always said about these farewell tours is that everybody who retires or thinks that they're coming into their final season and they want to make an announcement and say, this is my final season. You know, there's a lot of guys that do that. But there's not a lot of guys that, are good enough to get the treatment that David Ortiz is getting right now. And look, it's not going to stop. But I'm going to be honest with you, it shouldn't stop. I, I don't, and I don't care if, if it doesn't stop. So I'm actually enjoying it. I'm embracing it because David Ortiz is not going to be playing next year. And it's going to hit us hard when this guy is gone. All right? Or at least it's going to hit me hard because he's a legend and he is somebody that has changed this entire organization, has turned this organization into a championship organization, all right? Don't forget about the drought, folks. Don't forget. Don't be so spoiled with championships that you forget about the Red Sox drought, please. And David Ortiz wasn't just part of those championship teams. He was a major part and a major impact. And in fact, without David Ortiz, who knows if they even have a championship? They're probably still in a drought. Since 1918. I mean, come on. So, I'm, I'm just fine with the farewell tour. I love the 500 chains. And um, I'm embracing it. I'm enjoying it. Keep it going. I don't know why people would be mad. I mean, calm the fuck down, would you? And another, now while, while we're on the topic, I wasn't going to open with this. I talked a little bit about it yesterday in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to get to the Red Sox game last night and the loss and Clay Buckholz's performance and some of the comments he had after that game and where this Red Sox team stands right now after their third straight loss. Uh, I'm going to get to my Stanley Cup playoff predictions. The Stanley Cup playoffs begin tonight. There's three games tonight. I'm going to close out the show with my Stanley Cup playoff predictions, go through each round quickly and give you my Stanley Cup champ and tell you what team, not just what team, but what individual player I feel most confident in throughout the playoffs. And so I'll get to that. I'll close it out with that. And I wasn't going to get into it this early, but I have to since I'm on to the farewell tour storyline and the David Ortiz stuff. And, you know, I see tweets or I hear people being upset with it. I mean, calm the fuck down. Uh, but, but not just with David Ortiz, with Kobe Bryant too. The farewell tour that's been Kobe Bryant season this year, you know, earlier in the season, he makes the announcement. Players Tribune has the press conference. He had the press conference, what, the night? I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the night he had the press conference. Talking about his, his retirement at the beginning of the season. It was, what, Thanksgiving weekend, Sunday night football, Patriots losing to the Broncos. Uh, I, you know, I'll never forget it. I was also, we were moving out of our apartment the very next day, and... It was a depressing night, and I'm sitting there afterwards, and I'm watching the Kobe Bryant retirement press conference, and I'm saying to myself, good, get him out of here. 
Like, the, the Celtics fan of me does not want Colby to hang around. But you watch Colby. He obviously is not the same player. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty clear. It's pretty evident. But, you know, you see that. You see him not making that announcement. And, and you know what's coming next? The farewell tour. Right? And we saw it all season long. And people are complaining. And today on Twitter, they're calling it, what, Mamba Day. Right? I, saw, I will say one thing. There's a commercial by Nike. I saw Big Cat from Boston tweet it. I retweeted it. It's about, a, I think, a minute and a half, two minutes long. It's a great commercial. It's people in the stands yelling they hate Kobe. Kobe, you suck because he hits a buzzer beater off. Uh, I think it's against Portland. And then you got other NBA players and coaches making cameos, singing a song, saying, you know, they hate Kobe. Um, and it's real, right? Kobe, Kobe was such a great player that you hated him. Uh, unless you're a Laker fan, you absolutely hated Kobe Bryant. And Paul Pierce makes a cameo, he's singing. Rasheed Wallace makes a cameo, he's singing. Phil Jackson makes a cameo, he's singing. Now, Phil Jackson wasn't singing the same way that Paul Pierce and Rasheed Wallace were singing. But, nonetheless, he makes an appearance. It's a pretty cool commercial. I, I enjoyed it. And to be honest with you, I'm not sitting here upset about a Kobe Bryant farewell tour upset about the treatment that he's getting today because tonight is his last game in his career in the NBA. And um, I told you on yesterday's show that the Lakers, they host Utah at 10.30. ESPN's putting that on the deuce. ESPN 2, they're putting Golden State on ESPN because Golden State's going for their 73rd win of the season, which would set a new record. They already tied the single-season wins record with the Bulls uh, the other night. Uh, but the Golden State Warriors, they host Memphis at 1030. That's on ESPN. I think they'll get the 73rd win. The Lakers, they host Utah, 1030, ESPN 2. It's Kobe Bryant's final game. I wasn't talking about if you watch it on TV, what would you rather watch? I'm talking about if you have a ticket. That's what I said yesterday. And I think to some people, look, people are going to hear what they want anyways. I already know that being in that business. Like, I, you, I can't even tell you how many times I'll get a tweet about something that's said either on the podcast or on the radio, or on TV, in which I'm going, wait a minute, did you black out for 30 seconds? Because you just picked something out and turned it into something a little bit different than what I said or what I actually meant. So people hear what they want. And, and you know, I get some comments yesterday on, on my comments on Golden State versus the Lakers games for tonight. And I said, if you had a ticket, right, you can only go to one of these two games. They're both at 1030. They're both in different places. You could only go to one. What game would you go to if you had a ticket? If you would, could be there at the game? And I told you, I'd go to L.A. I'd go to watch and be in attendance for Kobe Bryant's last game. Not because I'm rooting for him. Not because I'm, uh, you know, a, a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Again, I'm a Celtics fan. I, I hated Kobe Bryant his entire career. So, and I actually just tweeted Jimmy Toscano from Comcast Sportsnet, buddy of mine, used to work with him at CSNNE.com. He does a lot of Celtic stuff, covers the Celtics, and he tweeted, I don't have the direct tweet in front of me, I'm paraphrasing, but he tweeted something along the lines of, I will miss Kobe. There, I said it. And I responded, well, I'm not going to miss Kobe, but I appreciate his on-the-court legend and greatness enough where... I'm going to watch his send-off tonight in L.A. Like, I, I, I just, I respect his on-court abilities in his career, his greatness, and the legend that is Kobe Bryant. Like, I, I respect greatness I, in any sport. 
And, and when you combine all the four major sports and some of the greats that have ever played in any sport, any of those four major sports, I mean, how can you not put Kobe Bryant close to the top of the list? It's uh, so one of the best uh, pro athletes in any sport that we've ever seen. I mean, it's just not just the numbers, not just the championships, not just the MVPs and the all-star appearances and the money made and the, the, the sneaker deals and the commercials, but just the eye test when you watch the guy play in his entire career. It drove you crazy as a Celtics fan. It drove me crazy as a Celtics fan. But look, I, I guess I just respect uh, the legend and the history and the greatness to the point where I, I'm not sitting here today going, oh, Kobe's last game. This is brutal. Stop showing us this. Calm the fuck down, would you? I mean, man, this is one of the greatest of all time. It's his final game. I'm not saying you have to watch the whole game. Because guess what? I'm not going to watch the whole game. And guess what? What I said yesterday, if you had a ticket to go to one of the two games, I don't actually have a ticket, so I'm not going to be in L.A. I don't have that option. I'm not going to be in Golden State. I'm going to watch Golden State on TV to see what they're doing with Memphis, no question. No question. But I'm also going to be paying attention to to Kobe's final game because I want to see that, you know, that final, you know, the minute left, they make the change, they make the substitution, the place is going nuts. I think that's going to be a cool moment. You know, for, for Kobe's on-the-court legend, all right? His on-the-court history and greatness. On the court. That, that's, that's what I'm watching this for. And, uh, you know, people today, because, I, I mean, I don't get it. I hear people complaining about the David Ortiz farewell tour. Like, it's too much for them. Oh, it's over the top. It's going to get, it's going to get, uh, who gives a fuck? What, like, I don't understand these guys have earned these farewell tours. Um, and the same thing with Kobe. Not, no one's saying you have to be a Kobe fan, but you're going to sit there and complain about it all day? Do me a favor. How about you just go off Twitter? Oh, you don't like the Mamba, the Mamba Day tweets? Put your phone away and go outside for a fucking walk. How's that? Get some fresh air. Do something else. Maybe get off Twitter for a few minutes. Maybe that'll help you out. And uh, you, you don't want to watch the game? Don't watch it. Don't watch it. But I guarantee you, a lot of people are going to be watching that game. Right? If you don't pay attention to the Lakers game, not saying you, no one's saying you have to watch the whole fucking thing. But if you don't watch that send-off with Kobe tonight, you're going to be in the minority there. There's going to be a lot of people, a lot of sports fans watching that. Now, I'm going to be one of them. Of course, keep my eye on Golden State. But guess what happens with Golden State? All right, they win 73. Guess what? They're in the playoffs beginning Saturday night. And... All of a sudden, everybody's reset at 0-0. Now, we expect Golden State to get to the West Finals and play San Antonio? Yes, of course. But, but I mean, you know, when they're playing those games, 73 doesn't mean shit. You know, when, when, when Golden State, game one against San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals begins, the number 73 doesn't mean shit. All right? So... Uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see him win 73, but it's also going to be cool to see, I think, Kobe end his career in his final game. That's just me. That's not me loving Kobe. Believe me. That's me just respecting his on-the-court greatness. That's what that is. So that's what we got tonight, uh, along with the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning. I'll give my Stanley Cup playoff predictions before I close out the show. And uh, But what I want to get to before then is what happened last night at Fenway. Look, we all know 
what's going on with this pitching staff. And we all know what Clay Buckholtz is right now. He's someone who does not have the same stuff that he had in 2013. I've pointed that out many times. But I will say this, there were times where the velocity last night was 92-93, which was, and he had a couple nasty change-ups, low and away to, to lefties, which I'm looking at going, all right, all right, I see you, Clay. But just, you know, one bad, 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 awful mistake that you cannot make, and that was in the sixth inning, uh, a two-run home run to Trumbo, who's swinging a hot stick right now, and it tied the game at four. And as it turns out, Buckholt says it wasn't actually a mistake. That's where he meant to throw the ball. I'll get to that in a minute and that play. But just looking at Buckholtz going into this game, you knew that, and you, you had concerns. I told you. I expressed my concerns about someone like Buckholtz. I've expressed my concerns about the rest of this rotation. I think there are things that are going to happen here moving forward with this Red Sox defense, with this relentless lineup, with some guys that you're going to be bringing up to the major leagues when they're done with their rehab stints, like catcher Christian Vasquez. Can't get up soon enough. Eduardo Rodriguez, starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez. Can't get up soon enough. We could see him in late April, they're saying. So once those guys get back, I also think they're going to help, you know, the rest of this staff and the rest of this team. The Red Sox have now lost three straight games because last night they lose to the Orioles 9-5, to and they've now let up nine runs in consecutive games. And Clay Buckholtz only lasts five innings. He gets the loss, five runs, five hits, walked three. He struck out five, but he allowed two home runs on 98 pitches. Uh, The Red Sox, David Ortiz hit a two-run home run in the first inning. It put the Red Sox up 2-0. Then you got J.J. Hardy. He homered to right field right around Pesky's pole, and it was such a, such a shit home run. I mean, what is it? The shortest home run in the majors? So he hits that two-run home run. Before then, though, Buckholtz hit Trumbo with a fastball that just tailed off to the right and got away from Trumbo. Nothing Trumbo could do. He couldn't get a, get away from it. This is in the fourth inning. Uh, so Buckholtz threw three scoreless innings to begin the game, and I'm watching it going, all right, I don't think he has great stuff, but he certainly has better stuff than he had against Cleveland. And if this Red Sox offense can put up a couple more runs against this kid right, then, which I told you yesterday they should have they should do, then, then, then this is going to give Buckholtz some cushion, and I think he'll be okay. And perhaps you're looking at him maybe getting through six, possibly into the seventh. Let's see. But then you get to that fourth inning. It's looking good. The Red Sox only got that two-run shot from Ortiz in the first to that point. And Buckholtz hits Trumbo. And the, you know what? The pitch that he threw to J.J. Hardy up and away, look, I'm, I'm actually not mad at that pitch. I, I'm, I'm not too upset with that pitch, and I think it was just that's a – that's a shit home run right there. That's what that is. It's a shit home run from Hardy. It tied the game at two. Then you get the Mookie Betts RBI double in the fifth. That gave the Red Sox a 3-2 lead. And then Betts scored on a wild pitch from right in the same inning uh, to put the Red Sox up 4-2. Here's the problem. You get to the top of the sixth. And Clay Buckholtz allows a two-run home run to Trumbo. And it ties the game at four. Now, there's a couple things about this Trumbo at bat that we need to point out. One, 
I've expressed my concern for Blake Swihart not being able to catch the ball. And I'm not even talking about pup flies. I'm talking about just fastballs. Like you saw him with David Price on opening day the other day at Fenway, the home opener. I mean, Price threw a couple just fastballs, cut fastballs, and and, and Swihart couldn't even catch him. He was dropping them. I mean, that's a problem. But last night in this Trumbo at bat, Buckholz gets Trumbo to pop up with a runner on. And Swihart, I mean, I don't know. Some people might want to make the argument that maybe this is Hanley Ramirez's ball. I don't know. Bottom line is this. Swihart called for it. He's underneath it. He's going to make the catch. That's an out. Get tr- Any way you can get Trumbo out, I mean, basically that's a gift. Trumbo gave you a gift. And Buckholz had a couple of these early in the game. Shallow pup flies, uh, you know, guys getting under it, foul balls, and, you know, the infielders coming in, making a, a catch in foul territory. I mean, they got that a couple times. But this play, with the way Trumbo's swinging the bat, when he pups it back behind home plate and you're underneath it, I don't care if there's wind swirling or not, you're going to make that catch. It's the big leagues. Swihart could not make the catch. In fact, he didn't even make contact with it. He just missed it completely. And what does that do? It gives Trumbo an extra opportunity. And what does Trumbo do? He makes you pay. And he makes you pay on a 3-2, 91-mile-per-hour fastball that is middle in. And he smashed it onto the Mass Pike, basically. I don't know if it actually hit the Mass Pike, but you know what I'm saying. It was deep. And it tied the game at four. Now, Clay Buckholz afterwards. Look, this was clearly a terrible pitch. But... You got to look at Buckholz's quotes. I mean, Buckholz's quotes after games will drive you mad. I get it. I don't think Buckholz was terrible last night by by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly that pitch to Trumbo was a pitch you cannot make. It's a pitch you cannot make. Now, you can make the argument that Swihart should have made that catch and Trumbo should have been out. And so you wouldn't even have to pitch to this guy who's swinging a hot bat. But he didn't make the catch, so you got to pitch to him. 3-2 count. You throw him a fastball, 91, middle in. It's exactly what he's looking for, and he made Buckholz pay. Here's what Buckholz said after the game. He said, quote, The Trumbo home run wasn't a mistake. I threw it where I wanted to. The Hardy home run wasn't a mistake. I threw it exactly where I wanted to. Just caught a team that is seeing the ball pretty well right now, end quote. When he says the Hardy home run wasn't a mistake, right away when I read that last night, I say, you know what, he's he's right. I mean, J.J. Hardy, and and, and to Hardy's credit, you know, uh, I should say to his luck, he didn't just hit one home run like that that curled around Pesky's pole that just barely got out. He hit two like that because he hit one later in the game off Robbie Ross. So, J.J. Hardy, those are two of the luckiest home runs you're ever going to see in the same game from the same guy. In fact, he'll never be able to do that again twice in the same game. Put the home run in Fenway right there in that spot. He's never going to be able to do that again. He'll never be able to. In his career, he'll never do that twice in the same game. He might never do it again once. So those are lucky home runs. I'll give Buckholz that. The problem is we hear him say that all the time, so you roll your eyes when he says it again. But the real problem with this statement I'll, I'll give him the hottie thing. The real problem is when he says the Trumbo home run wasn't a mistake. Now, when I first see Buckholz say that, <laughs> I, I cringe. I go, what do you mean it wasn't a mistake? Come on. Which, the, Trumbo is smashing the ball right now. Sure, he looks lost in the outfield, but he is smashing the ball. 
You threw him a 91-mile-per-hour fastball that tailed middle in. What do you mean it wasn't a mistake? Then today, I get into the studio, and I'm just, you know, I always, just to refresh my memory, I go over a couple highlights. So you can go to MLB.com, and you can, you can look at a couple home runs and a couple, you know, pitches that guys throw. And, and I was curious to look, and I, I went back into the Buckholtz quotes after the game. And, you know, I'm sitting here ready to crush him about him and a lack of accountability once again. It's the same old, same old with Buckholtz. Uh, you know, saying, oh, so be it. You know, they're swinging a hot bat. You know, I gave them good pitches, and they just ended up hitting them. I mean, uh, you know, every single game he says this, and, and it's frustrating because there is that sort of lack of accountability where he is telling us that, well, it's not his fault. You just got to credit the other team uh, for being you know, swinging hot bats and, and seeing the ball well. I mean, look, we don't want to hear that shit, okay? We don't, especially from someone that we're begging in this rotation to get into the seventh inning to give the bullpen a little bit of a rest. I mean, somebody better have get Noe Ramirez a fucking ice pack. The guy's arm's going to fall off, right? Get him an ice pack. So we don't want to hear this from Buckholz. But when he says this about Trumbo saying the Trumbo home run wasn't a mistake, I see it last night going, I mean, give me a fucking break. So today I come in, I'm looking at some video. I watched the Trumbo home run again. I'm not going to lie to you. You see where Swihart line, where he lines up, Swihart behind the plate. They're looking for that fastball middle in. Like, that's where they're going with that fastball. So I actually think Buckholz is telling the truth. When I watch it again, I watched it about 15 times. Swihart sets up inside, and it's not too far inside. They actually are trying to put that 3-2 pitch, that 3-2 fastball, middle in. So, Buckholz is right. It wasn't a mistake. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. That, that's the problem, that it wasn't a mistake. I almost would rather have that be a mistake than have this be the game plan. Because why in the world would you think, from a game plan perspective, that a middle in fastball at any point of the count, is going to be a good pitch to throw to Trumbo, especially the way he is smashing the ball right now. So I actually have a bigger problem with this not being a mistake because the more I look at it, the more I see it wasn't a mistake. But it's that that's the mistake that it wasn't a mistake. You get what I'm saying? Like, on no... On no planet is that a good pitch to throw, yet Swihart and Buckholtz seem to think that this is a good a good plan. A good plan. And that goes back to Buckholtz's first start in Cleveland, where I watched him and I came here and told you, I don't even know what the game plan is. I don't get it. I don't know what he's trying to do. And I love watching pitching matchups, and I love trying to break them down, and I love watching them in a way where you can sense what the game plan might be, especially from guys... That, that are having good outings. And again, I won't lie. I mean, you take away that J.J. Hardy home run, which was a kind of a lucky home run. And, you know, because if David Price threw that pitch and Hardy hit that home run off David Price, and he said, you know, that that's that's a bullshit home run, that's a luck home run, I think we'd all, we'd all sort of agree with him, not our heads in agreement, and be like, yeah, it was lucky. But since Buck Holtz says it, you know, it wasn't a mistake and implies that it was luck and, and his reaction was, oh, that's bullshit. 
because it's Buckholz and because he does this all the time, I don't think we have the same reaction to it. But you know what? Take Buckholz's name and face out of it for a minute and look at that J.J. Hottie home run that he hit off of Buckholz. That's a lucky home run, right? The one in the fourth inning tied the game at two. You take away that home run into the sixth inning, Buckholz, that's a pretty, I think that's a good outing for him. I really do. But, but, then you get, but then you get here, you get to the sixth. Granted, Swihart should have had Trumbo on anyways. I'm more concerned about the fact that when I look at this, it sounds like Buckholz is right. This 91-mile-per-hour middle-end fastball to Trumbo with a guy on base with a two-run lead, that wasn't a mistake. It actually wasn't. He's right. But that's the problem. That's a terrible decision. I don't. On what planet is that a good decision to make that pitch to Trumbo at any point of the count? It's just. I think I'm more. I'm more fired up that it wasn't a mistake. The more I watch it, like I didn't get the game plan in Cleveland. I'm watching Buck Colts. I didn't get it. I don't understand it. I like watching the pitches, seeing the game plan. Buck Colts last week. I told him the next day, "What the fuck is he doing? No idea what he's trying to do in that game." I don't think he knew what he was trying to do. But but now you see, and he's telling you what he was trying to do, and you see how Swihart's sitting up against one of the hottest hitters in the game right now. And I, I'm like, m- my mind is just, I'm rattled that that was their idea of a good pitch in that spot. <laughs> like, uh, please. So I don't think Buckholz was lying about that. I think when I watched the video again of it, and I watched that pitch over and over where Swihart sets up what they were trying to do, I think that's where exactly where they were trying to go with that ball. Which is just an awful decision, which makes it even more frustrating to me. Is that he had a good outing, and that's the decision you make? Man. So, uh, we could talk about lack of execution, but I watched that over and over. It looks like that's he executed the exact way he wanted to execute. The problem is, this is it's now a game plan thing with Buck Holtz, I think. It's a scouting report. You got to know who's at the plate. You got to know that that's a bad pitch. That's a horrible pitch. And that's yet, that's what they wanted to give him. Bad decision. Maybe it wasn't execution. Maybe it was more decision-making last night. And you know what? Now I'm seeing... Everybody's jumping on the Christian Vasquez bandwagon. Everybody and their mother. Everybody. Jumping on the Vasquez bandwagon. I've been telling you about Christian Vasquez for a couple of years now. You you obviously don't need me to tell you about him, but I've talked to a lot of people. Look, I've had guests like Red Sox beat writers, reporters, major league uh, analysts, and, and when Vasquez's name comes up, from, you know, when I talk to people who are outside the organization, in the media, whatever, even some fans, you know, they all try to tell me the same thing. Like, eh, no, Vasquez, he's not going to be the everyday guy behind the plate. They like Swihart for his offense. And I sat here and told them every single time I heard it. I go, I, you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I, we're going to disagree on this. And you know what? I don't just disagree on this because I see it with Vasquez with my eyes. I mean, I do see it and I do hear players talking about it. But just internally within the organization, I've had people tell me for the last couple of years, they compare him to Yadier Molina. You don't compare someone internally to Yadier Molina and keep him in the minors or or put him on the bench for Blake Swihart. Honestly, is Swihart's offense, is it that good where you're going to keep him in the game? No. 
and if it, even if it was, you know, even if Swihart was showing you all this power and was putting balls in the seats at will, the biggest issue is not offense for this Red Sox team. They've proven this is a relentless offense, and the relentless offensive attack is not going to slow down. It's not. I think this offense is that good. The biggest problem is pitching. And right now, you know, if you're not going to go out and make a major deal to bring in a stud starting pitcher, another one, to, to go along with Price, and and if you got to wait a little bit longer for Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, one thing you can do right now to help this this pitching staff and guys like Buck Holtz and guys like Kelly, who's going to pitch tonight, and guys like Porcello and, and Wright, you know, if you're going to help them out I and you're looking for a way to do it, Christian Vasquez... I think is someone who's going to work a whole lot better with this pitching staff. And and I do think that's going to help. Now, is it going to be an earth shattering move to the point where this Red Sox, you know, this pitching staff is all of a sudden going to look like a bunch of Cy Young award winners. No, that would be turning water into wine. It's just not going to happen. That's unrealistic, but you're looking for some changes right now, whether it's adding an inning or two to a couple of these outings to save the bullpen right now a little bit more than you're saving it, a whole lot more than you're saving it. I do think Vasquez can help in that way. And, and I'd be curious to know that, you know, if Vasquez was behind the plate and he's calling a, a pitch here and they got a game plan, I'm not so sure the game plan is to, to, to give Trumbo that fastball middle in. I'm, I'm just... I'm not sure that I, I think you probably see a time Vasquez comes running out to the mound to talk talk it over with Buckholtz. I just feel like that's the situation they'd be in. Maybe they'd be on a different page at that point. And at that point, it's like, okay, why don't we stay away here, right? Why don't, uh, why don't we stay away on this one? Oh, he wants to keep following him off? Keep following him off. But let's stay away. Let's not go fastball middle in. That's a bad decision. Yet, Somehow, Swihart and Buckholtz last night in the sixth inning thought it would be a good decision. Trumbo made him pay. Tied the game at four. You bring in Robbie Ross. And Robbie Ross, I thought, I thought it was a good substitution. You bring him in to face the lefty, Chris Davis. Uh, he faces the lefty. But then the problem after that is, you know, you're facing a couple righties. And if you want to get into moves, I mean, you've already made moves. You've already been using everybody in the bullpen. You've overused the bullpen already. So uh, you found yourself in a situation. You're keeping Robbie Ross in that game. And he let up, you know, the other home run to Hardy, which was another lucky one, a two-run shot, which extended the lead to 9-4 to four in that seventh inning. Robbie Ross, two innings, three earned runs on five hits. Uh, let up that home run through 46 pitches. But you needed someone. And, and it, at this point right now, the Red Sox are just begging Joe Kelly tonight to get to give him seven, and that's going to be an awful lot to ask. I understand, especially the way the Baltimore's swinging the bat. But Joe Kelly's on the mound tonight, and uh, here is numbers at Fenway: seventeen career starts at Fenway for Joe Kelly, seven and five with a four point nine zero ERA. It's not not good. But if you want to look at something on the other side, Ubaldo Jimenez for the Baltimore Orioles in 11 career starts against the Red Sox, he has a 7.26 ERA. So maybe if there's one thing you want to expect tonight, it's the Red Sox jumping all over Jimenez and maybe getting to him early and and doing what I thought the Red Sox offense could do a little bit more for Buckholtz last night, which is 
give your starting pitcher who we expect to struggle at some point, give him a little bit of cushion uh, to let him know that, hey, if you build a five-run, six-run lead and you let up the three-run home run, it's not the end of the world. The problem is you can't let up two of those home runs, and that's what Buckholz did last night. So I'll watch this Red Sox-Orioles game tonight. I will react on tomorrow's podcast. They will have tomorrow off, and then Toronto comes to town for a four-game set. You get Friday night, Saturday afternoon at 4, uh, Sunday afternoon at 1.35, and, of course, the marathon Monday morning start at Fenway, which is always a great day here in Boston. And we're looking at some beautiful weather here this weekend and into next week. So uh, we will focus on that uh, over the weekend and into next week. So I will get to my Stanley Cup predictions in just a moment. But just as we wrap up the NBA season real quick with the Celtics, the Boston Celtics wrap up the regular season tonight at home against the Miami Heat. You know what's on the line? Look, right now, if the playoffs began today, the Miami Heat have bounced up to the three seed. The Heat are the three seed with 48 wins. The Hawks are the four seed with 48 wins. The Celtics are the five seed with 47 wins. The Hornets are the six seed with 47 wins. Here's what's going on tonight. The Celtics host the Miami Heat. We're looking at home court advantage uh, probably for the winner of this one. Uh, you have the Charlotte Hornets at home against Orlando. That should be a game that Charlotte wins. Atlanta, they are in D.C. to take on the Wizards. That game is at 8 o'clock. So that's what some of these teams uh, that are playing, you know, for this race for the three seed with the Celtics. Celtics are not going to get the three seed, but um, they could get the four. And, and right now they're the five, but they could get the four from, from what I see. We'll have to figure out, you know, what the, the playoff brackets look like. We'll know more tomorrow, obviously. But uh, I told you yesterday, me, I'm not hating on the six. <laughs> because the winner of the three versus the six does not play Cleveland in the second round. But we'll see how it plays out. The Celtics wrap up the regular season tonight. The NBA playoffs begin on Saturday, so I'll give my NBA playoff predictions maybe Friday, probably tomorrow, actually. I'll probably give them tomorrow, my my NBA playoff predictions, only because I'm working on an in-studio guest for Friday, which is going to be NHL-related. And I'm, I'm, so I'm probably not going to be able to get into with the guest in studio Friday. I'm not going to be able to get into NBA stuff with an NHL guest in studio. So I, if that does happen, and I should know more later today, tonight, if it's going to happen Friday, if I get that guest in studio for the NHL, looking at the Stanley Cup playoffs and even looking at some of the Bruins storylines, I'll probably get my NBA predictions tomorrow on Thursday's podcast. But that's what we got in the NBA. And a real quick look at the Western Conference that eight seed up for grabs. Uh, Houston, if the Rockets win tonight, they are in. They host the Sacramento Kings at 8 o'clock. Right now they're tied with Utah, but Houston holds a tiebreaker. The Utah Jazz are in L- L.A., as I mentioned. But if Houston and Utah both win, Houston has a tiebreaker. Houston will get in. So Houston controls their own destiny there. They should beat this Sacramento Kings team. And if you want some news on Sacramento, there is some breaking news today as I look up at the TV screen. And that is the Sacramento Kings, while they are now missing the playoffs for the 10th straight season, 
A report says the Kings will fire George Carl on Thursday. Their coach, George Carl, who has had, um, he's had many, many incidents here with DeMarcus Cousins. And um, <laughs> I'm sure DeMarcus Cousins is thrilled. The problem is, is that where Sacramento's done? Like, are they going to fire the coach and keep DeMarcus Cousins, or are they going to completely clean house? Is it a one or the other situation, or is it clean house situation? We'll see what Sacramento does. But they missed the playoffs for the 10th straight year. They're going to fire their coach, and uh, they will be in Houston tonight to take on the Rockets. I expect the Rockets to get that eight seed and get into the playoffs, which could be a quick one as they play Golden State in the first round. And before I do move on to my Stanley Cup playoff predictions, I got my eye on this Brooklyn Nets pick. We all do here in Boston. And if you're looking at the standings, because the Celtics have the Brooklyn Nets first round pick, the Brooklyn Nets, 21 wins this season. Right now, the worst team in the NBA is Philadelphia with 10 wins. After them, the Lakers with 16. After them, guess who? The Brooklyn Nets with 21 wins. After them, Phoenix right up there behind with 22 so um, if it ended today, Brooklyn would be the third worst team in the NBA and you'd have the third best odds there uh, in the lottery. But here's what's going on tonight. Brooklyn is hosting Toronto. And what I'm seeing as of right now is that the Raptors, given that they have nothing to play for, they're locked into that two seed. They're going to play the seventh seed in the, Eastern Con- in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Toronto has nothing to play for. They're not even sending. They haven't even sent their top dogs. DeRozan, Lowry, they didn't even go to New York. They didn't even go to Brooklyn. So this could be an easy one for Brooklyn tonight, uh, and they could pick up their 22nd win, which would tie Phoenix. Now, as for the Phoenix Suns tonight, the Phoenix Suns host the L.A. Clippers, though I don't expect the Clippers to play anyone either. I mean, what are the Clippers playing for? They're locked into that four seed. They're not going anywhere. Um, they are going to play the five seed in the first round. So, and they're going to have home court advantage. What are the Clippers playing for? That, that game is at 10.30 tonight. So we got our eye on that Brooklyn pick and what that could be and what the odds could be. But the regular season in the NBA uh, ends tonight and tomorrow. It's looking like I'll be giving my NBA playoff predictions if I can get this NHL guest in studio for Friday. But without further ado, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap up today's show with my Stanley Cup playoff predictions. As I told you, we got three games tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Those games at 7 o'clock, Detroit is in Tampa Bay for game one of their series. At 8 o'clock, the Rangers, the New York Rangers are in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins in the first game of their series, and then in the Western Conference at 9.30 tonight, the Chicago Blackhawks are in St. Louis to take on the Blues in game one of their series. Let's give you, let's give you my picks here. You know what? We need a little music to go along. Oh, yeah. That's, that is hockey night on ESPN, right? NHL on ESPN theme, what a song this is. All the old songs are the best. Like, I play NBA on NBC. I give you the old MLB on Fox. And this one right here is a beauty. This is a great song as well. 
when the NHL was on ESPN and they had the games with Gary Thorne on ESPN. Those were the days. And this is a great song and a great song to make my picks to. Let's start in the Western Conference because one seed Dallas, they take on the four seed Minnesota Wild. Uh, I'm going to stick with Dallas here. I know there's, there's been part of me, and I've even told you, the Dallas Stars of this team, this offensive powerhouse that I think when they get to the playoffs is going to see a different type of game, and the game could change on them. And, um, you know, I, I think they could be out early. But you look at Minnesota. Minnesota, Zach Parise, he's going to be out indefinitely. So he's going to miss some time. That's not good for Minnesota if they want a shot. I'm going to stick with Dallas. Dallas is going to win this series over the Wild. Uh, I'm going to say the Stars will move on to the second round. Who will they play? They'll play the winner of St. Louis and Chicago. St. Louis, a two-seed. Chicago, a three-seed in their division. I mean, how can you not go with the Blackhawks? Honestly, I, how can you not go with the defending champion, Chicago Blackhawks, to win this series? It just seems like St. Louis, year after year, so many people talk about them uh, and give them a shot to make a run. And, um, you know, it's just maybe it's just a tough first-round matchup. Maybe it's just bad luck to, to get this draw, but they are not beating the Blackhawks in the first round. I'm sorry. Uh, at least I would never put my money against Chicago in this series. I'm going to say the Blackhawks, they will move on to play Dallas in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Then you get down to Anaheim, a one seed taking on a wild card. Nashville Predators, the four seed. I'm going to go with Anaheim. I'm going to go with the Ducks in this one. Um, just for the fact that I've seen them play a couple times this season. They're one of these big, bad Western Conference teams. Nashville at times, to me this season, has seemed too soft. I think when they get in the seven-game series, Anaheim will beat them up a little bit. I, I like the Ducks in this one. I'm going to have the Ducks moving on to the Western Conference semifinals. Did I say Eastern Conference a minute ago? I apologize if I did. You know what I meant. I meant Western Conference. The Ducks will move on and beat Nashville. Then you got the two-seed Kings against the three-seed San Jose Sharks. Is this the year the Sharks get over the hump and, uh, you know, actually do something? No, it's not going to be. The LA Kings, they made some big moves. Uh, I, I just, I like them to go along with Quickie and Net. The Kings are just too good. The Sharks are going to make it a series, but the Kings ultimately will move on to the Western Conference semifinals to play the Anaheim Ducks, and that's where you get back up to Dallas versus Chicago. As I said, I'm expecting some type of letdown from Dallas, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen against one of the best teams in the NHL and the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks win this series. They eliminate the Dallas Stars. Blackhawks get to the Western Conference Finals. They will play the winner of Anaheim and LA, and I'm sticking with the Kings. I think that someone like Milan Lucic is gonna be a major difference maker for LA, and I love their goaltending situation. The Kings beat Anaheim, sets us up for a Western Conference Final of the Chicago Blackhawks and the LA Kings. And guess what? There will be a new Stanley Cup champ in 2016 because I have the Kings going to the Stanley Cup Finals, eliminating the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh wait, you don't like how I say Stanley Cup Finals? Oh, it's Stanley Cup Final? Tough shit, I said it. Uh, the Kings are going to the Finals, and um, because the NBA calls it the Finals. We do this every year, right? The, the NBA calls it the Finals. 
And I just, I like how that sounds better. You might tell me it's not grammatically correct. Well, tough shit. It sounds better to me. And that's what I'm going with, the finals. The Kings going to the finals, knocking off the Blackhawks, who so will get to that point. They'll get, the Blackhawks are gonna get to that point where you know, this is the toughest sport to repeat. It is. It's the toughest sport to repeat. And the Blackhawks, I think it's gonna catch up to them. And I think it catches up to them against the physical Kings team, riding a hot goaltender, and the Kings get out of the West. Let's go over to the East. Who are the Kings gonna play in the Stanley Cup Finals? Let's begin with the Washington Capitals. They will play the Philadelphia Flyers, who of course are an organization that's gonna be playing with heavy hearts in this one. Uh, the Flyers, they get in, and they didn't necessarily back in. You know, they got a big point against Toronto in, in their third last game of the season, and then they beat Pittsburgh when they had a win to get in. I know Pittsburgh in that game did not play all their top dogs, but hey, Philly didn't back in like Detroit back in. Uh, so you gotta give them some credit, but I just think the Washington Capitals are too good. And you know what? I've been riding the Capitals the last couple of years in the playoffs telling you this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. And the bottom line is this. I've been wrong, but the Capitals have done nothing this season to convince me that I should pick against them, especially in this series against the Flyers. The Capitals have the best goalie on the planet in Braden Holpe, and you just gotta believe that at some point, Alex Ovechkin is going on a serious cup run. I just believe it. And this could be the year. Capitals, they are gonna beat the Flyers in the first round and move on to the Eastern Conference semifinal. They will play the winner of the Penguins and the New York Rangers, the two-seed Penguins, the three-seed Rangers. And uh, I get the Rangers winning this one. I get the New York Rangers winning this series. I think Lundquist is, you know, you know what he's been. You know what he's been in the playoffs. Uh, the Rangers went out. They added a couple pieces at the deadline. The Rangers are battle-tested here in the postseason. They know what it feels like to win tough series. They know what it feels like to lose tough series. I think they beat Pittsburgh. I think it might go to seven, but I'm gonna take the Rangers to win that seventh game. And I think they do it because Lundquist is someone that ultimately stands on his head. I got the Rangers beating the Penguins going to the Eastern Conference semifinals to take on the Capitals. Let's move down to the Florida Panthers, one seed taking on a four seed New York Islanders. Islanders, I think you call them battle-tested too in the playoffs, yeah, you see last year. So I got the Islanders knocking off the one seed Panthers. That's just something about Florida Panthers that, that I can't pick them in this series. I just think the Islanders are gonna be a scrappy team and uh, a, a group, a young, talented team that's gonna bring the legs. Not that Florida isn't talented, not that they don't have guys that, that, that can bring the legs, but I just, this is sort of uh, one of those, I got a hunch picks, and I got a hunch that the Islanders will knock off the Florida Panthers in the first round. So the Islanders moving on, they will play the winner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Detroit Red Wings. The Lightning are all banged up, but they still, you know, I, I just, I look at them and I see they got a goalie that you can rely on and they're playing a Detroit team that backed in. A Detroit team that literally backed into the playoffs. And I, there's no way Detroit, I, I know they might use motivation of Datsuk's final playoff run. Datsuk is filthy, but there's gonna be only so much he can do even against the banged up Lightning team. I got the Lightning 
beating Detroit, moving on to the Eastern Conference semifinal. So there you go, you got the Capitals against the Rangers. I mean, I think if you can sense a theme here with me, when I talked about the Capitals Flyer series, my theme is that I think the Capitals are on the verge of doing something special. Capitals, they beat the Rangers, and maybe that the Rangers all of a sudden start thinking of maybe changing some things in that organization. Honestly, I think you're gonna be to that point, but the Capitals are gonna beat the Rangers and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. They will play, that's right, the Tampa Bay Lightning. As banged up as they are, I think they have an easy bracket against the Red Wings and against the winner of Islanders and Panthers. I told you I think it's gonna be the Islanders, but even if it's not, even if it's the Panthers, I'm looking at Tampa Bay to get to the Eastern Conference Finals to take on the Washington Capitals, and that's where I'm, that's where I think Tampa Bay's little run, as banged up as they are, that's where I think that's gonna end against the Capitals team that is destined to get to the Cup Finals. The Capitals and the Kings, LA, Washington, that is gonna be your Stanley Cup Final, and I have your 2016 Stanley Cup champs, the Washington Capitals, I'm doing it again and I don't feel bad about it for one second. They're gonna jump on the back of the best goalie in the world right now, Braden Holpe, he's gonna win the Vezina, and the Capitals are gonna win it all, and Ovechkin's gonna be able to hoist La Coupe Stanley. This is the year for the Caps. It's gonna be a hard-fought series against LA, and you know what, you're gonna get a lot of people picking the Kings to win that one. Because of their physicality, because of their big, bad Western Conference style, and even because of their goalie, but this is gonna be Holpe and the Ovechkin show, and that's the way I see it playing out. So those are my Stanley Cup predictions. The Washington Capitals will be your 2016 Stanley Cup champs. And I'm giving the con Smythe, but that's right, their goaltender, Braden Holpe. Those are my picks. I'm sticking with them again tomorrow. If the schedule plays out the way I see it as of right now on this Wednesday early afternoon, I'll be giving my NBA playoff predictions tomorrow and Friday I'll have an in-studio guest, NHL-related. Hopefully I can confirm that with you tomorrow. Um, I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are available. And as I mentioned, look, it's springtime. You want a softball uniform that makes your team not just play good, but look good doing it. You want to get it done right here at Beantown Athletics. Just go to beantownathletics.com right now and give them a call. 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Or if you're in the area in Dorchester, swing by the shop. 132 Granite Ave in Dorchester, but you can always give them a call. Uh, they can set something up for you, talk over the phone, and and come up with a customized design and a customized uniform for you. And um, yeah, I told you, fundraiser season, and also the David Ortiz farewell tour t-shirts. People are coming in, picking them up. You got to get yours. If you didn't get one of those 500 chains that I'm telling you right now, I will have my hands on one of those by the end of this week. Maybe even as soon as tomorrow. But in the meantime, if, you, if you're never going to get one, then guess what we're going to do? We, I, what we're going to do is tell you to get your ass in here at Beantown Athletics and get one of these David Ortiz farewell tour t-shirts because I'm not someone who's going to sit here and be aggravated at what some people call the sappiness of a farewell tour 
for one of the greatest Red Sox players of all time. Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Red Sox tonight, I'll react to it tomorrow. Again, five days a week. Follow me on social media. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.